Welcome to the weekly High with LSD podcast, the Leslie and Subu dialogue covering the most happening technology news that affect India. And now, please welcome your host, Leslie and Subu. Hello, friends. Uh, welcome once again to the weekly High with LSD show. Uh, this week, uh, we are delighted to have with us uh, Venkatesh uh, Hariyaran, better known as Venki. Uh, he's a v- veteran uh, tech journalist and India representative of the Open Invention uh, Network. Uh, his name is uh, pretty synonymous with uh, what we talk about open source in India. And of course, he's uh, been with IDFC as a uh, research uh, guy. He's been with Google and uh, as far as policy is concerned and many other such roles. And then, of course, uh, welcome once again to Jayant Kola, founder of uh, Deep Tech Research and Advisory Firm, uh, uh, Convergence Catalyst. Uh, so happy to have both of you on the show. And of course, my co-host, uh, El Subramaniam, better known as uh, Subu. And uh, without much ado, uh, we have plenty of uh, things to discuss as usual. A lot of tech developments during the week. But uh, what I thought of, we could just take about uh, four things that we could speak about in this particular session. Uh, one, of course, is how the latest uh, spectrum auctions have panned out, how they might uh, affect uh, mobile phone bills and the quality of service more than uh, more importantly. What does it mean for the 5G kind of environment, which is why uh, we all uh, have with us uh, Jen, uh, who's a telecom expert. Uh, then, of course, uh, um, we have uh, a Wall Street Journal report which says that the Indian uh, India's government has threatened to jail employees of Facebook, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, uh, because it seeks to squash uh, political protests and uh, uh, sort of gain far-reaching powers over the discourse on foreign-owned tech platforms. Of course, that's a continuation of what has been happening in the past uh, with uh, the whole thing about OTT, the new kind of rules that we have seen, which we discussed in the earlier episodes with um, uh, cyber law experts also. Napanai was here on the show earlier also. And uh, of course, uh, uh, in, in this particular context, you had Amazon uh, apologizing over Tandav and saying that the, uh, the Supreme Court saying that the government needs stronger rules uh, to protest. So the Supreme Court uh, sort of said that this does not hold water. I, I can see the smile on Subu's face on that, but we'll have much to say about it. Uh, then, of course, you have the whole digital payment space, which is growing exponentially. And uh, uh, we are seeing that um, RBI wants to come up with... Uh, NUEs, uh, basically. So what does it mean for, you know, another entity for retail payments? What does it mean for us? And then, of course, we should not be forgetting, uh, you know, it's International Women's Day. And uh, I know there are no women on this particular panel, so it's a little strange, you know, it's like a kind of ironical that we don't have women here. We should have had women. But uh, just for our viewers, uh, the editor of uh, CXO Today, which is our enterprise uh, tech flagship, the editor is basically a woman, uh, Sohini Bakchi. So, uh, yes, we, we in our own small way, we do try to, uh, uh, you know, have women. She is pulling the strings from behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah she, exactly. she is. She is. She's listening very intently to what we are saying. Uh, I mean, we could start with any topic, any any choice of yours. I have given you all four topics uh, to choose from. Since we are all veteran uh, <laughs> tech observers, why don't you all start the ball? Because typically I do it. CBDCs? The big one? The big elephant in the room? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Then that's... Right. Uh, Venki would love to start on it. So... Uh... On the new umbrella entity, uh, with your permission, I'll 
you know, quickly kind of please explain it to the viewers <laughs> what what it means. So I think last year RBI came up with a notification saying that uh, they want to bring in new umbrella entities, and uh, this is basically for running the payment backbone of India. Now you already have one entity, which is the National Payment Corporation of India, and. Uh, just a clarification, it's not just for retail payments, it's actually for uh, interbank settlements, yeah. uh, running ATM networks, etc., etc., and to interoperate with the unified payment interface. Uh, so what has been astonishing to me about this particular uh, notification is that it changes the structure of the payment industry in a very fundamental way. And uh, in India, if you think about it uh, with India stack, the the idea is that identity payments and data will be structured as uh, utilities, which can then be, you know, harnessed by multiple for-profit entities. And the logic has been that these should be public digital infrastructure, which, you know, uh, can be leveraged by other organizations and built on top of. So that could be non-profits, that could be for-profits. So uh, NPCI was deliberately, you know, designed as a non-profit that would uh, offer payment as a service on a utility pricing model. Now, uh, and then, you know, if you also step back in time and look at the Wattel Committee report, uh, which was look, looking at deepening payments in India, there are 73 recommendations in that report. None of them say that, you know, NPCI should be, uh, there should be competition introduced for NPCI. Now, in principle, uh, you know, bringing in competition for N NPCI is not a bad idea. But how you do it is really, really important because what has been built up over the last 10 years or a decade is a very careful institution, which is, you know, non-profit in nature, which provides payments as a utility and uh, allows other people to build on top of it. Now, if you bring in uh, for-profit entities, uh, to compete with a non-profit, you know, what is the dynamic of it? There are two, three implications of this. You know, one is that uh, payments is the lifeblood of an economy. Now, uh, it would be amazing to think that the U.S. would allow, say, a Tata group or somebody to be, you know, uh, running the payment backbone of America. Now, here in India, we are talking of, you know, turning the entire structure from a non-profit structure to a for-profit, bringing in competition for NPCI, which is for-profits, and not just for-profits, but MNCs. You know, you have Amazon and uh, other companies looking at uh, building these infrastructure. Uh, so I think it's a very, uh, the profound uh, challenges, I think, my fear is that, you know, this could uh, actually set back our ecosystem by at least a decade, because... One, you know, so far we've had an Indian entity controlling the backbone of the payment ecosystem in India. And globally, if you look at it, every uh, policymaker is thinking of how do you reinforce, how do you kind of, you know, uh, push back against the kind of challenges that we are seeing with monopolies, with, you know, the network effects. Here in India, because we had NPCI as a non-profit, uh, the network effect basically resided within NPCI and uh, you could build... Uh, UPI as a platform where you have almost 200 players who can interoperate with each other. Uh, and typically, look at it, you know, globally payments has been a duopoly. In China, it has been WeChat and uh, Alibaba Alipay. and uh, MasterCard and Visa in the US. 
uh, I think there is enormous social value uh, in ensuring that payments, the backbone of payments is built and run as a non-profit. So, uh, because that allows you to do a lot of policy uh, initiatives like, you know, enabling financial inclusion, et cetera, et cetera. I think we are also entering an era where uh, you cannot govern society by law alone. You know, you have to have uh, the technology code, et cetera, to also, you know, have a fine-grained control of the ecosystem. And uh, I think a lot of these... I'd like to interject over here because yeah. um, you, you mentioned something about competition. Now, clearly, I mean, the whole argument um, uh, overall that we are having over here is that competition, uh, you know, you can't have a monopolistic organization, etc., which yeah. actually even I uh, find a little strange because UPI is a backbone, as you said. Yeah. And it has allowed for a lot of seamless kind of uh, digital payments out here. We are seeing, uh, I mean, the numbers tell the story, basically, the kind of success that we have seen uh, with UPI and of course a lot of uh, uh, players out here using that uh, particular backbone. Yeah. But something similar is—is is it that the government is trying something similar? What it tried in banking, where it had RBI as a bank, and lots of banks over there. Then it had new bank licenses, etc. Is that the kind of model that these guys are trying to, you know, saying that it was successful there? We got those private kind of guys. We allowed uh, private uh, companies to become banks, get banking yeah. licenses. So, uh, so what is intriguing about this move is, you know, a few things. One is that uh, if you look at the Vatel Committee report, again, you know, that is a very high-level committee. And there's no mention of doing something like this to kind of, let's say, deepen digital payments. Uh, so nobody is very sure of why uh, the government has, or the RBI has brought this kind of a move in and uh, what are the motivations for that. So the, the new umbrella entity notification is just a four-page notification which says that RBI is inviting organizations to bed. They have to have a minimum 500 crore net worth, et cetera, et cetera. And this is by 31 March. Yeah. I think yeah. it was February 2020. They extended it. I think they extended they, Yeah. And the final yeah. deadline for submitting responses is uh, end of this month. So uh, this is just a four-page uh, document. And, you know, if you look at payment banks, et cetera, they were you know, white papers, there was, you know, uh, explanation of why you're bringing in payment banks, etc. And here you have no such explanation. And, uh, you know, so basically what is happening is the structure of the ecosystem of the payment backbone is, you know, being fundamentally altered without any discussion on what is the goalpost, uh, what are the objectives, uh, how is the process going to unfold, you know, how is... Venki, Venki, I have a question, I have a series of questions for you. See, uh, you mentioned non-profit six times, okay? Yeah. I was counting. Now, the point is that, see, uh, and then you also mentioned that, you know, you asked a question, would U.S. allow Indian entities to do the same in the U.S., yeah. okay? Yeah. Now, uh, see, as far as the Indian entities being allowed in the U.S. is concerned, it is, I mean, today you have Indian publications, for example, Indian newspapers, Indian media can't hold equity in the U.S., Okay, yeah. that's a WTO issue, and that's a bilateral issue which will get resolved or not resolved. Okay, yeah. I'm not going there. But on the profit making or a non-profit making part of it, you mentioned a very interesting thing. You, you said it's a social issue rather yeah. than merely something that can be driven by law. Now, if you were to look at that, today your unbanked India is almost eight tenths of banked India. You're right. Right. Yeah. 
Now, yeah. to assume that one single entity will be will ever be able to cover even a significant part of the unbanked India is not going to happen, both in retail and in wholesale. Okay. Yeah. Second point is that profit making is a rather uh, you know unlike the old Hindi films, it is not a bad idea. Okay, it's it's a good idea because profit making allows efficiency. Now, I'm not being, I, I'm not being, I, I don't want to be anecdotal, but the fact is that you already are seeing the cracks, you know, in the, in the superstructure that the NPCI uh, superstructure, right? So what is so wrong with allowing for-profit entities to come in and expand the base, be more, drive more efficiencies into the system, okay? And therefore, you know, cover a whole lot larger number of people than what is being covered today. Jayant also can step in. Jayant yeah, Venki, can, can I step in here? Yeah. No, no, this is a free forum. Yeah, I mean, cool. And I, I think we, <laughs> so, basically because all of us have been pointing out uh, time and again, I think Venki, this is it. So, Subhu, uh, you know, I agree with you as in terms of, you know, what the, the, the market is big enough. Eight-tenths of India is unbanked. Okay, why can't a few for-profit or corporations who who are known for their agility, speed, and uh, you know uh, efficiency come in and you know uh, expedite the process? I mean, we've seen that in telecom, right? I mean, before the mobile uh, uh, you know wave, 32 million uh, you know landlines were given, and all of us were waiting for two, three years to get a you know exactly. landline connection, right? And uh, look what mobile revolution has done in in 10 years. It it uh, you know it connected a billion Indians. So yes, I agree that the you know uh, the private industry, the private sector, and the corporates uh, can do it. But uh, you know, to emphasize on what uh, you know Venki was saying earlier, here in this case, uh, it's a combination of payments, data, and identity. Okay, uh, you know this combination is extremely uh, you know strong and powerful. Okay, so uh, a non-profit or a, or a, or, a, or an organization with no profitability agenda, uh, you know, if it runs uh, a, a fundamental architecture and the policy making, you know, like how NPCI is running UPI, okay, then enabling for-profit companies to use that uh, basic fundamental platform and architecture, that's a great uh, framework, okay? Uh, but if you allow, uh, you know, I mean, this is my personal opinion again, if you allow for-profit companies to come in and lay down the fundamental uh, platform and, uh, you know, architecture itself, uh, look at, uh, you know, how the entire world is now, uh, you know, working against the big tech, right? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, earlier these technology companies used to work with the individual sovereign governments to get licenses to operate in their marketplaces. Now, uh, you know, literally before anyone can realize, the equation has flipped where the company, uh, countries are getting together and forming uh, consortiums uh, to break up the big tech, okay? Look at what Facebook has done uh, in Australia with the media industry, okay? And now all of a sudden, the big tech companies, uh, you know, are bigger than the countries, uh, uh, you know, is the biggest economies in the world, okay? Then so, or, or what we are saying, what you're also admitting as a corollary is that, you know, as a society, whether it's India or US or anywhere else in the world, the law has just not been able to catch up with technology. Definitely. That because for me, if that is a concern, you know, the localization of data is a concern, the fungibility of data is a concern, the monetization of data is a concern, then I would put laws in place. 
and i would say you jolly well the the, the fundamental issue that i have you know is that utter utter and 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 you know that's why i i would like what uh, i wanted to take a thread from what mikey said that we have this huge you know romantic thought about why non profit is good more importantly you know decades of hindi films have driven into us that a guy who makes profit is a crook you know actually i'm saying venki has Uh, uh, lost his connection, so he's going to find us back. Now the problem is we are <laughs> we are we are saying things because the the guy comes with an open source uh, background. I know, I, I know. I, yeah, so it's a little bit. Let's 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 uh, wait for. Uh, no, I don't worry. I I am capable of repeating myself. But the, the fact <laughs> is that the fact <laughs> is that you know this this this. See, if you look at NUEs, okay, who are the guys who are getting in? SBI is mm-hmm. getting in. Yeah. Now SBI's network is. enormously large correct okay now if you look at the retail companies tomorrow i would like a, i'd like to see an itc getting in okay mm. i would like to see an rail obviously rail will get in i mean if if you breathe then rail will be there so that's okay i mean okay we will live with that okay reliance will come in okay now the fact is that more number of people always means competition yeah. therefore ergo it means efficiency right yeah. you have an opportunity to shift from one platform to another like yesterday for example i was driving back and i was trying to make a payment uh, through my beam and you know i made payment twice because the damn thing got stuck okay so then the guy said no no sir but you know how can i accept it it's processing so i had to make the payment again again okay. okay now you already are seeing cracks and the enormity of the number of people that is unbanked no but if no, you got a billion about- people But wait, Subhu. If you're talking about cracks, do you mean that okay, just because of, like if you're creating an infrastructure highway, for instance, have NHAI that runs about whatever ten thousand kilometer plus kind of stuff to other right. roads, and has built the golden quadrilateral. Quadrilateral. Yeah. Uh, now you're saying that you're creating another infrastructure player because we are we are talking for backbone. So now you're going to have simultaneously two backbones. Absolutely. Backbone. You're saying okay, fine. Absolutely. Go on this infrastructure. Go on that one. It's not about going on this highway or that highway. No, no, no. So, so I'll take your own example highway. back. I'll take your own example back. If you look at the Pune Mumbai Expressway, okay, you had it in a national highway already there. Then ILFS came and built the Pune Mumbai Expressway. Three years later, five years later, the uh, government of India, you know, did the highway one better. and now people have a choice whether to go on the expressway or to go on the other thing and both are equally good yeah right mm-hmm. if you look at golden quadrilateral you have options today okay i'm my point is that my limited point thanky you're just back so you know i mean uh, we yeah, lost we you in the way yeah basically we were asking whether we require two infrastructure highways so or multiple basically one multiple, multiple. Uh, infrastructure multiple. backbones yeah, yeah. Because my argument thanky is that choice improves efficiency and making profit is not necessarily a bad word and the other yeah. point that i made when you were not there was that we are purpose admitting that the law whether it's in india or in the us is helpless against tech law is not caught, caught up with tech yeah that Lagging is tech. that is not i won't say helpless it, it always lags tech it always tech that innovation. is like so, that's so a fact then, of life it will be in which case in which case teeth your law Make your law stronger, but do not. Laws, 
No, so who, I don't think that argument anybody is going to buy because tech will always even a, a step ahead of. Fine. So always you will devise policies after the technology comes. Yeah, but then look, yeah. look at look at the US. After all this, they are still not thinking of scrapping two thirty. Okay, so I am saying that you have you have a set of people, a billion people in India who are unbanked. One right. element of infrastructure, no matter how big you make it, okay, yeah. will always be suboptimal. So why not have multiple people? And now if your problem is, like I said to Jayant, was fungibility of data, localization of data, monetization of data, misuse of data. Misuse of data. Okay, these are yeah, four misuse. things. Okay. In which case, create laws, create rules, create, you know, enforcement. I mean, more than laws, I think our problem is enforcement. Okay. Yeah. Enforcement. Okay. Also, but do uh, not deprive the people of choice. But will it increase costs, uh, Venki, uh, Subhu? Yes, uh, it will, yeah. it will. Let, See, let people learn to pay for it. Yeah, it's, so, it's a, so, we're, we're creating a for-profit private sector. I mean, they'll, they'll have their infrastructure costs, they'll have, you know, they'll have, and they'll have their profitability. But they, they should give, they should give them the option on. of getting onto a lower cost of thing, because that, I'm, I'm just saying that if you're creating yes. those two infrastructure, the tolls could be higher on one highway, the tolls could be lower on one highway. I don't they will be naturally. Subhu, my, my pushback on that is going to be this, you know, that, the infrastructure layer, in my opinion, should be a non-profit layer. The lay, the the what you build on top of it, it should be for profit. Uh, the reason for the infrastructure being non-profit is because that enables utility pricing. That enables uh, so if there is a competition that is to be brought in for NPCI, that should be non-profit. That should be another non-profit. Let the Reliance and others and uh, other players play at the layer above the infrastructure. And think of it uh, in multiple ways. You know, the best case scenario is that the competition for NPCI expands uh, the market, and which is a great goal. You know, I think I would be very happy to see that. The worst case scenario is that uh, you know we will have uh, enormous amount of co competition. We will have enormous pricing uh, issues at the infrastructure layer, and you know eventually we may have a utility like NPCI being pushed out of the market. And we've seen that happen with BSNL, et cetera, yes. et cetera. So I think that's the worst case scenario. Vinky, BSNL got pushed out because of efficiency for service. BSNL, even today, if you look at BSNL, okay? I mean, I was shocked to see a BSNL statement saying that we are going to extend our 3G coverage, pan India, bloody hell. You're, going, you're talking about 3G coverage, pan India and 21. Okay. So, now, BSNL's so, it, problem it, is efficiency. People, people so, it's not just efficiency, it's a regulatory capture also. Yeah, it's a, so, you know, I agree. Regulatory and capture, and yeah. I think we are seeing the same dynamics play again in this particular space. You know, to be very polite, See, that's the dynamics that. I think this is, this is an argument that we can have on Neosium. But the fact is that your structure of public center entities. Your command and controls that exist in the public sector, you know, infrastructure, you know, whether it is a ministry and the, you know, and, the, and, the, and the bureaucrat, okay, you are talking about people, however bright the bureaucrat is, you're talking yeah. about a generalist dictating to a professionalist. Absolutely. It never works, right? Absolutely. If BSNL, for example, had to be brought back, you know, I think there are ways and means of doing that. There are smart professionals who are willing to do it. Look at the example of India Post Payment Bank. Yeah. They got in a very smart professional to run. Yeah. 
and he quit in two years. Okay, I think the problem with your public sector non-profit, the, the problem that I have, yeah. okay, is lack of accountability, yeah. lack of you know any any sort of you know oversight, professional yeah. oversight. Okay, which then gets whitewashed into this justification of saying that oh, but they are non-profit. No, you are non-profit, but you are jolly well supposed to work in a particular way. Yeah, I would argue. Are, are we saying the same thing about NPCI because the UPI backbone is pretty efficient from that point of view? I mean, there yeah. are for the, for the moment. Yes, I'm not questioning it. So you're saying, saying it now probably, scale when you scale, uh, then what happens? But I thought it was okay. scaled to quite a bit. Guys, I I have a view here and a parallel to draw from the telecom and the mobile industry and and as as i'm you know sitting here and you know um, listening to both subu and venki uh, i think the bottom line is my view is actually you know neutral and 50-50 there are actually strong points in both the arguments okay and if i have to draw the uh, telecom parallel back in the day i mean instinctively personally i think i agree with venki saying that the infrastructure layer uh, needs to be you know of a single entity that is more controlled regulated by the government but uh, you know what happened in telecom right early 2000s when the mobile industry took off also the optical fiber the backbone the nld was still that of bsnl and mtnl okay even the bharti's and tata's and reliance communication back in the day and idea vodafone used to uh, you know take the inter uh, you know lease the intercity um, uh, backbone from bsnl only availability until reliance communication came and put in a parallel optic fiber all across the country okay and then fast forward 20 years you know uh, reliance geo took about 6 years in the project phase after uh, you know getting the 4g spectrum to put in you know to connect the uh, uh, country at the infrastructure layer with the with the backbone right and what did they do later you know they launched the apps you know let me call them services of the app layer the app layer at an extremely low cost thereby driving away the existing uh, you know, players who had invested 15, 20 years of their, uh, you know, business into, uh, you know, in the country, that is fine. Okay. Uh, they're able to do this because they own the infrastructure and uh, Subhu, mind you, the telecom and the digital and the extended digital uh, industry has not yet been played out. So the, uh, the pro is, I agree with you. Uh, efficiency, you know, uh, expedited this one. If you would have, uh, you know, um, uh, if you would have uh, been dependent on BSNL's, uh, you know, NLD network all across the country, I don't think a billion of uh, Indians would have been connected with a 4G network. Okay, uh, definitely not. Uh, you know, the parallel backbone of both Bharti and uh, Reliance Jio uh, enabled do that. But the con of that is, you know, and which you mentioned, we breathe. You know, real will be there. Okay, Reliance will be there. I mean. Now, Reliance is getting to the, this one of, you know, through telecom into our digital lives, our entire digital lives, be it yep, retail, absolutely. be it utilities, be it everything. Yep. And that hasn't been played out and we don't know. Uh, now, here coming to Venki's point, we don't know what the worst case scenario is because that still hasn't been played out. And, you know, forward looking back, you know, uh, can we make that yeah. uh, adjustment in the payment sector, you know, learning from the telecom sector? Probably, you know, owning uh, one single entity, owning the infrastructure layer and letting the services uh, players be multiple services uh, players at a for profit, this one. I think for, that now, may... for now, let us now, uh, yeah, uh, I know. you know, sort of end the conversation on the NUAs yeah. versus RBI, because I think we have 
spoken at length. And uh, I think what you have done, Jayant, is exactly what I wanted to do: segue into the telecom sector telecom. because yeah. it it is it is bound to be you know that parallels cannot be uh, ignored. Correct. But speaking about but, the, but Leslie, we should have a longer discussion on this NUA because this, like you know, like Jayant, you know, kind of summarized. Yeah. It can draw lessons from a lot of industries. At the yeah. same time, there is a larger discussion, not just a telecom or not just a payment discussion, but a yeah. larger discussion which affects the digital life itself. So, I think many more stakeholders. I'm jumping for a second here. You know, I think Jayant pointed out a point, issue which is you know the concentration of digital power and uh, what is the. So there are. I think that's you know many regulators are now looking to see. how they can minimize and here i think in india we are going the opposite direction you know enabling the concentration of digital power and uh, the point you mentioned about uh, regulatory capacity subu is i think extremely extremely important i think we are now in an era where generalists themselves you know cannot uh, govern i mean the between the four of us we probably have more than 100 years of experience in technology exactly. and you know we we ourselves find it so hard to understand the okay. dynamics of what is happening so generalists cannot you know govern technology we need a new cadre of specialist policy makers new cadre of regulators and i agree with you subhu for a billion and a quarter population we need for profit companies uh, driving uh, this one if we were a small european country with less than 20 million this one i think you know denmark or something then the government can take over and and run everything but for okay, us we'll... uh, Yeah, I, I, I guess I think there are arguments both uh, this way and that way. As, as I said, yeah. we, we have to see how it pans out. But yes, as of now, the fact remains that the RBI has introduced this. There is going to be a lot of public debate. Uh, but uh, knowing the way India operates, we are going to have anyways. So that's going to be the new reality. Now we'll have to come to terms with that and figure out whether it's going to pan out the way the new banking licenses and RBI, you know, banks. Worked out with the new bank line, banking licenses, or how we will see. But as we said, uh, I think I agree with Subhu that we'll have a larger a debate on this. But for now, as we have already segmented to the telecom part of it, I mean, uh, uh, the spectrum results are out. I can see Jan smiling out there. It has fetched the exchequer what seventy-seven thousand eight hundred crore. Yeah, uh, yeah, close to yeah. twenty-eight thousand. And I think twenty-eight thousand crore has to be paid up front, which means again the debt will increase to another. I think. What is it? Seven lakh crore or something? Five lakh crore. Five lakh crore. Five to seven billion dollars. Yeah. Correct. And yeah, I think lakh. here clearly acquiring spectrum. I think uh, RGO has acquired uh, uh, more than fifty-seven thousand crore. Uh, yeah. I mean, Bharti is way behind by I think something like nineteen thousand crore. Nineteen thousand. Yeah. And uh, Vodafone idea is just one tenth of that. Crore. One tenth. Sorry, who 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 did you say the last was? Good of an idea. Good of an idea. Good one. Oh. Good one. <laughs> okay. So, well, I I typically say that Vodafone has no idea Me? what's happening <laughs> the other way around, but yes, so that two couple. I have a Vodafone connection. Okay, so we are. Change, change, change immediately. <laughs> no, no, it's it's working for me for about twenty years, and you'll be surprised. I mean, I mean, all fairness. Uh, so this is exactly what I wanted to begin with you, Jay. I know that many of us tracked the telecom. All of us have tracked the telecom and then moved to IT and back and forth and all that kind of stuff. Today, like convergence is happening, everything is happening out here. But if if you were to just you know connect the dots and clearly tell us, okay, uh, you know I'm not going to get into the debt issue because it, that is too it's beyond the scope of what we are going to discuss out here. I want to understand what does it mean, additional spectrum. 
call dropping, quality of service. What does it mean for the common man? What does it mean for enterprises, especially with 5G, IoT and all around? Can you just connect the dots for us first? I think it's more of a, honestly, bottom line is, I think it's more of an enterprise play. Players retaining their spectrum more than anything else. They're just paying uh, money to the exchequer to retain the spectrum. Uh, does it mean better quality, uh, you know, uh, to, the, uh, to the end consumer? Technically, yes, but is that the among the top three priorities of the of the players who paid uh, money for the spectrum? I don't think so, honestly. Okay, uh, they, they'll eventually get there. They'll eventually get there. See, I mean, uh, Reliance uh, bought its 4G spectrum in 2010 and launched its services six and a half years later in 2016, and their uh, you know uh, spectrum uh, you know, uh, validity was coming up to this one, and that's why you know uh, they were very keen on getting this uh, you know spectrum auction, and they bought the highest chunk any which way. Okay, uh, but if you top down and bottom up, right? Top down for an exchequer, this has been a big, 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 uh, you know, disappointment. Or uh, you know, they were expecting close to uh, four lakh crores. Uh, you know, uh, what is it about fifty billion dollars? Uh, more than fifty-five billion dollars of uh, revenue from Spectrum auction. They got only nineteen percent of it. Okay, of all the Spectrum that's been auctioned, only thirty-seven percent has been bought. Okay, and that's been bought in more or less the existing bands. And not the new bands, be it the 700 or exactly. the 2500 megahertz. Yeah. So, so, where 700 is unsold. Exactly. So, explain to our viewers, uh, Jayant, uh, what does that mean actually? Why is okay. there no interest in that? Because there was a lot of talk about you know, uh, bidding for the 700 uh, megahertz, especially 900, to, I'm just forgetting about it, but at least oh, 700. And 2100. Yeah, 2100. Also, isn't that estimate very over optimistic given the state of the telecom industry in India? It is. I mean, but then, you know, government uh, will do its calculation the way they'll do its calculation, right? I mean, 1.72 lakh crores. Uh, we love that number, don't we all? Venki, okay. you're the rhetorical question. I mean, <laughs> it was always over-optimistic. Yeah. Okay, so, so, again, going back, it is somebody who just stretched the spreadsheet formula and said, okay, this is the number. They didn't look at the industry. They didn't look at they the didn't consumer. The they didn't look at anything They didn't look else. at the capability. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, what are 700. The I, I, just, I just want you to explain that 700 one. I'll, I'll explain you. So, science and tech, science wise speaking and technically speaking, the lower the spectrum band, okay, the better propagation of the waves and, and hence the lesser number of cell oh, towers sorry. cell towers that are required by the cellular operator to, uh, you know, put in, okay. Uh, that means the uh, anyone who, uh, you know, uh, provides services in 700, 800, 900 megahertz, which are in the cellular uh, uh, wave spectrum uh, called lower bands, uh, those operators will have to install lesser number of um, you know, cell towers to provide the same quality of services. That means lower capex. And by extension, uh, those spectrum bands are costlier, okay? Because yeah, they provide you know, a bet better efficiency, uh, scientifically speaking, okay? And hence, uh, you know, 700, uh, now cellular uh, technologies operate in uh, various uh, bands, right? From 450 megahertz going all the way up to 3.5 gigahertz, right? And, yeah. you know, 2G and 3G services operate in four or eight of them. Come 4G onwards, you know, 4G alone operates across 43 different bands, okay? Between 450 and 3.5 megahertz. And so does 5G, okay? So typically, you know, ideally speaking, operators would love to own lower band spectrum, okay, to operate, uh, to offer better quality of services, better voice and data services uh, with lesser number of uh, tasks. And, you know, each tower will also have higher capacity to handle more number of, uh, uh, you know, uh, users at the same time, at the lower the spectrum band, okay. 
So in India, what happened is up until this point, 700 megahertz uh, band was with uh, defense and a few and uh, ONGC and a few other government agencies which have been using it for their private communication, which have not been available for the telecom mobile industry, uh, you know, to be uh, operated. Over the last few years, the government ensured that the other government agencies vacate the spectrum and make it available. Okay, mm -hmm. and from a government point of view, the 700 megahertz spectrum was supposed to bring in the more the auction of that was supposed to bring in the more revenue. Okay, mm -hmm. but the operators did not even touch it because the base price of that itself was so high and their uh, you know p and l you know their debts are so high i mean for example reliance geo is on a eight and a half billion dollar spectrum debt uh, you know airtel is close to eight billion and vodafone idea is a 13 billion dollar spectrum uh, this one i mean if you just add the spectrum debt of telecom wrapping, wrapping a head around those numbers itself is like <laughs> let me just, okay let, let me just give you one one data point the spectrum debt of the indian telecom industry as a percentage of total debt is over uh, 8816 another 13 about 40% 40% of the total debt right so that that's what it means and that's why uh, you know the operators did not touch the uh, you know 700 megahertz band because they they can't incur any more losses okay although that is more conducive for the up and uh, coming 5g but technology with, with so much debt would it have made any difference that it taken more exactly <laughs> i don't i don't think the telecom operators are bidding at all i think the bankers are bidding bankers the, are bidding <laughs> the bankers <laughs> are saying nothing <laughs> don't touch it <laughs> because see, no. I mean, at the end of the day 32 billion dollars debt okay Leave uh, Geo out of it. Okay, I mean Geo will will be able to manage. Uh, I'm sure you know Zuckerberg yeah, yeah, yeah. and others will fund it. Okay, but look at look at 13 billion dollars debt of Vodafone. 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 I mean that is what I think is is it's really worrying all the bankers in in India. Yeah, yeah. So okay? the way that's, bankers that's a look at it number. is, yeah, the the way bankers look at it is, will the Spectrum debt be be able to be paid by the spectrum validity time period, which now is 10 years. Earlier, it used to be 20 years. 20 years, okay, yeah. which, now is, which now is 10 years. So whatever money is being spent uh, for, uh, you know, buying the spectrum in the auction, will that spectrum cost itself will be paid out during the spectrum validity period of 10 years or not, let alone the capex and the opex and the operational cost. Okay. The moment that crosses, I think the banker will say, okay, you know, we're not bidding. I think we, we are already at that stage in the Indian telecom industry. See, we are, we I mean, that, that's our going back to the earlier argument uh, that we were having. Uh, this is a very classic case of, a, you know, a race which was, which, which had multiple horses. Now it is reduced to a duopoly. Okay. You now have only, you know, two players who are going to be playing this market and it will be in the interest of player number one to keep the player number two active. Yes, 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 absolutely. But you know, uh, and, Subo, Subo and Jayant and Renki and yeah, isn't this the case throughout the world? I mean, duopoly. You, you actually no, have no, 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 not duopolies. Not, I'm not talking of duopolies. You just have about two or three players typically who are the most important around the China, world. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Three players, three are yeah. becoming two in you China. Look at China right you look at US. No, but Canada. You, you look at all the major countries. See, the, the 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 difference there is that if you look at the United States, for example, okay. You have about three or four players out there. Yeah, the I agree with you. Yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm leave the regional players out. I'm, I'm talking about the national players, right? Yeah. The AT&Ts of the world, right? You have about three or four players, and and I agree with you. It is always going to be a limited number of players. Yeah. The problem here is not that. The problem here is 
you have limited number of players in enormous amount of financial stress and when you know when the government talks about npas when they talk about the you know uh, stress in the banking sector and all that i mean if they look at the sheer spectrum debt that uh, you know jayant was alluding to okay this should be a warning sign i mean for them everything else is so when they when they start pricing the spectrum i don't know on what basis on one hand you reduce the spectrum validity you know you have it okay and then you double the the auction price so how do you expect the industry which and, is and already under we are the yeah jen strat uh, we, we are the we are the lowest arpu market in the in the world, the world. i mean the world. arpu of 2.2 dollars in the world sorry in the world yeah, has not improved in the last 20 years yeah in the last that, 15 that years that 2.2 dollars also what you're talking about is more for 4g i think so for 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 2g and 3g it will be much lower i guess Let's take an industry average. Let's take a blended yeah. industry average of two to two point yeah, two dollars. Blended. Blended. My that. point is that hasn't improved. Blended. That exactly. hasn't improved in the last fifteen years. So it has okay. improved on the cost across so, the generation of technologies. So for four G spectrum users, I mean, for the 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 four G users would be around what fifty fifty five percent of the entire population today. Mm, now yes. Because we have two oh, G yeah. and three G still uh, in. No, but I, I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, as high as fifty percent, uh, Jayan. Because I mean, see, four G predominantly let's, would let's be. Let's say Reliance Geo. Let's say Reliance Geo. All of four hundred million. All of them are on four G. Reliance Geo is completely four okay. G. Yeah, all all of them are on four G. And give 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 another hundred mil between Vodafone okay. and uh, Airtel. Okay. So about fifty fifty five percent. See, the the problem here is that you have multiple factors playing. On one hand, you have this unreasonably high spectrum prices. Okay. On the other hand, you have somebody sitting there and saying that okay, this is going to be your pricing. Now that doesn't happen when you yeah, yeah. you've lived in Canada, you've lived in the United States, right? You know that there the pricing is vastly different. Yes. Oh, it's very high. Okay. Right. So, and which is where the, the the it is a double whammy. Now again, I go back to the same argument. You know, it's it's a pet argument of mine, and I can't get it out of my head. Is that you cannot have a socialistic governance yeah, yeah. sitting on a capitalistic yeah. market and that is my problem you can't have a pry and a babu sitting there and saying okay you cannot charge more and then you have the same babu saying that you got to pay uh, twice as high okay this is going to break the back, uh, backbone of the industry and now on top of that you have you know lame one leg one leg horse like bsnl okay now where do you go from here And and what happened, Jayant? Now, basically, like uh, at some point in time, two uh, G, three G guys will have to migrate to four G. How will the yeah. pricing work out? How will the affordability, uh, uh, like today, like you get it for about fifty bucks, a guy can still do with voice I, and how will it? I uh, think I think the uh, you know forbearance or the market uh, dynamics have been played out to an extent where now we are going to be seeing the reversal of tariffs. I think now. Yeah. uh you know uh, the tariff increase will happen the the two leaders have been clear, clearly marked out uh, the third player is a distant third player and also catering to a you know non high arpu segment okay so the the two key players they they uh, you know uh, uh, they will be uh, setting the setting the mm -hmm. pricing and the tariffs okay uh, i i think the bottoming out of pricing and and revenue and uh, arpus have uh, you know um, have all, is already behind us so, so jayant are you saying are you saying that try as you might the prices will go up 
<laughs> I would imagine, yes. Yeah, I mean, the prices prices will go up. And second thing, Leslie, is that I mean, if you have to look at it, both these players are also playing a digital ecosystem play. I mean, you know, Reliance yeah. Geo doesn't call itself a telecom uh, telecom uh, company at all. It calls itself a digital yeah, yeah. company. And you know, Reliance at least has bigger ambitions and dreams. And there are multiple revenue streams. I mean, to Venki's point earlier, you know, when you put when you overlay data and identity as a, even Balti, you know, the same applies player, to Balti for that matter. Revenue models and the opportunity to some extent. It does, but it depends on execution. I mean, in the startup yeah. world, we always said you bet on an executable horse. Yeah. yeah. True, true, true. So no, I mean, had an opportunity for ten for ten years before Reliance even came into the. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? they were the forerunners. I remember DTH was introduced by Balti, uh, not by uh, right. Geo. So I, I obviously exactly. we all know the history yeah, yeah. I mean, of the. In, in telecom and in telecom and mobile, we had VAS, right? I mean, you know, today's digital ecosystem value is nothing added services, but the yeah. VAS of 15 years ago. I mean, value-added services. Why didn't that yeah, evolve into, services, uh, know. you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Why, 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 why do the internet companies internet companies need to, uh, you know, uh, pave the way? And why couldn't telecom oh, I, companies do that? And, and I think all of us would clearly remember the kind of furrow that we had over VoIP. I mean, that the is. amount of voice over internet protocol that it is a circuit switch exactly. network, so it cannot connect to a PHTN. Oh my God, exactly. the amount of debates that we have, nobody talks about it today. So if I, can, if I can give you a little anecdote that we have in the telecom industry, we say that telecom industry suffers from a 444 uh, you know, rule or a paradigm. Uh, any up-and-coming cutting-edge technology is available for telecom industry four years before it goes mainstream. Okay, by the time telecom industry gets its heads around and decides uh, to implement it, it takes four, the telecom industry takes four years to decide whether it will implement the cutting-edge technology. By the time it's implemented and becomes mainstream in the telecom in, uh, industry. The cutting-edge technology is four years behind its peak. Okay, <laughs> by the time the telecom industry implements it, so we say that you know the four-four-four rule. <laughs> We suffer with that. Uh, good. So I, I think the common thread between both the discussions we had on the digital uh, uh, payment space and the telecom sector is, in one, we are trying to, uh, uh, I mean, some of us at least are trying to dissuade the, uh, you know, um, um, uh, a kind of a duopoly in the infrastructure space. Here we are saying, okay, let's encourage more competition. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> quite odd. But I, I guess we'll find a wire media at some point in time. But I want to, uh, in the interest of time, uh, I'd like to segue to the third uh, topic, which is equally important or rather very important uh, from a uh, gender inclusion point of view, and which is uh, what we keep on talking about uh, women in tech. Now, it's International Women's Day. We can just talk about the tech part of it. Um, uh, uh, the editor of CXO, who I said, uh, Swaini Bakchi, uh, she had she wrote a nice piece on CXO today, basically, again, pointing out the same thing that, you know, uh, all the tech companies uh, barely make up for a third of their workforce. Right? I mean, women typically make up for the third of the workforce. And since the divide even become, uh, become more prevalent at the top, where men are 30% more likely to be hired for managerial roles. Uh, uh, rather than women. And in fact, only 23% of C-suite uh, positions are held by women and women of color uh, receive uh, less recognition. Even worse. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is, she has quoted the World Economic Forum's uh, Global Gender Gap for 2020. I mean, clearly, women in tech has been a long-standing issue that we have had out there. Women on boards, we don't see uh, 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 women on boards. And Technology, I think, I, I remember some of the arguments that I won't mention the uh, CEO is that, I think, but when we used to have these informal conversations, 
women are not into technical thing which is so untrue today you find so many women uh, as i said the editor of cxo today itself is a woman here with uh, in our within our group uh, venki knows so many other people jayant knows so many other, you know so many other people so what what is your sense why is this not really happening i mean uh, other than uh, the kind of mindsets that we have so if you remove the mindset then it will happen <laughs> our problem is a mindset that's all i mean it's it's, it's as simple as that <clears throat> we are all smart people you know i mean see for us we have and i'm not i'm not just talking about india okay i'm talking about you know globally there are there are degrees of differences but by and large it's it's pretty safe the our problem is that you know we have always had this historical slotting okay yeah. the homemaker versus the hunter gatherer okay the hunter gatherer and the hunter gatherer was always given a preeminent position yeah because he was hunter gatherer all right now that mindset and that is thousands of years of mindset it's it seeped into our dna therefore it becomes very difficult for us to accept so when you have lame argument that you know women can't do coding women can't play football women can't you know uh, write uh, can't be can't architect networks i mean these are all stops that we internally know are nonsense but we say that only to justify the present right okay we we have to justify the present because you know we created the present okay now if you look at a farcical argument and uh, i'm just linking the overall national mindset or thought process there was there was a point in time when there was a debate about reservation for women in parliament okay mm-hmm. and there's a bill still pending which has not been allowed to uh, be tabled and more many many parties opposed the bill there was this very well known politician gentleman who said okay let's start at 10% my question was if your women population of india is 49.6% why would you start at 10% and secondly who the hell are you to decide what what we're going to start at so the debate never went beyond that yeah. the debate was 10% and somebody said no it should be 20% they said okay let's not let's let's close the whole debate i think we should have started at 50% and then you know argued back yeah. it is it is if you remove the mindset lesley there is no argument we know it's nonsense it is just that we perpetuate the normal because we are scared of the new normal i am just asking a question <laughs> don't, don't, i i believe in women in tech to absolutely we require women so, yeah yeah i mean yeah. they are fact, equally you know, smart very uh, equally yeah. smart and if you look so at the you know, numbers yeah uh, so hindi you are on the conversation why don't you just come live you have been listening to us would you like to come live it will be nice to have a woman also yeah yeah so yeah. we, we we would love to have your thoughts on this because you have been listening intently to the entire debate so it should, it should be interesting as to this kind of men all uh, around uh, we'd love to have a lady uh, first of all it's been a fascinating conversation throughout which i was a mute spectator it was wonderful uh, coming to this topic in particular i would not like to say my opinion alone but i've been speaking to a lot of women in it who are women leaders and uh, at this point of time of course we all know that you know women can do everything and you know they are extremely empowered and women in it they are all coming up big time uh, what they have emphasized and i agree is that mentoring is a 
point what they're trying to say is, you know, women do not network as much as men. You know, there can be multiple reasons for that. And if they network and they find better mentors, better mentors, both men, uh, men and women, then obviously, you know, the conversation will be different going forward. You know, more mentors, those women can also mentor the other women and also men can pitch in, you know, having men on board and, you know, their pitching in and their way of thinking uh, in the sense that, you know, their contribution, their helping support as well as women. This has to be, mentoring has to be extremely gender neutral. I right. consider Subhu and uh, Leslie as my mentor yeah. and that helps. So, so you know, you brought up a, yeah. you brought up a very, very important point. Very, yeah, very yeah, important point of networking. But networking. Sorry, go on, Leslie. No, no, I, I thought because she just highlighted a very important point saying that women uh, don't network because of certain hurdles and all that thing. I think that's a, uh, something that uh, it had it struck me in the past, but it, yeah, it hit me uh, uh, quite hard <laughs> now. You know, no, I think, first I of all, you mentioned. I, go on, Subha. Yeah, go on, go on, Jen. Uh, I think uh, the point of mentoring that she mentioned is actually a very good one it's a good start and a stepping stone and it also makes sense because you know the current corporate world or the organization is you know seen as created by men so it's it's only fair that you know if we want women to play bigger a role and a bigger representation they need to be you know taught the you know how the game is played or or, or, or this one and mentoring and uh, is a good good starting point and a step into it yeah, and, uh, and but I, my 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 point is that you know uh, I'm I'm you know again getting and getting an analogous argument. There was a state. There was a very good argument which said that you know if you want to stop the rape, teach your son. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. So if you want to get more women, mentor the men first. In terms of changing the mindset, yes. Tell them that it is not such a. You, you, because you got to change the mindset. I mean, for example, I have a very strong, uh, I won't use the word objection, but a bit of an issue, even talking about the word mentoring. I mean, why mentoring? Why not be mentoring? Look, I'm saying, I'm saying, if you want to change the way we think, <laughs> we got to first change the way we think, which means we got to mentor the men first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the second issue is yeah. networking. Now, you know, again, I have a problem. Why is it that networking is so important? Why is it that a woman or a man, for that matter, do his job professionally, well, capably achieving the objectives and go home and then because, still expect to grow, grow because further? It's, because it's psychology one on one that you do business and that you work with someone that you know better. I mean, you right. work with your friend. And hence networking and hence networking relationship so, building is that much more important. It, and it can happen during office hours. Hmm. My point is it can happen, it happen can. during office oh, hours. Okay. So uh, my, the point, the limited point is that I think the, the constructs that we have, the constructs that we have in terms of saying that, you know, this is the reality. This is the world. This is the business in uh, superstructure. Now I will help you fit into it. Okay. My point is hmm. no. My point is no, don't do that. Expand. This, you know, this is the business. This is how business is run. You have a role to play. And as long as you're good enough to play the role, I don't give a damn about your gender. And why should I, as a man, okay, 
go and help somebody fit into my world so my world is patriarchal thousands of right. years of patriarchy right right okay so i'm saying we have to redefine the way we think right right but but subhu i'll i'll give you another analogy and which incidentally happened this morning i'm just coming back uh, you know uh, and i'll tell you why i'm giving you that analogy i, I think what uh, you know she's mentioning and uh, what i uh, this one is there is a put in the door there is a starting point i'm just coming from a sunday early morning run where my daughter goes for a run around the ground and in that ground uh, you know there was some cricket league that was happening and today some four teams were playing each team had two girls to play, play okay so the two girls should definitely bat first okay and uh, when the girl is batting the guy should ball with left hand okay and uh, the boundary is smaller okay and when uh, out of the 10 overs the girl should ball at least one over and when the uh, girl is bowling the uh, over the guy should bat left handed okay and i was talking to this to, with one of the captains and i'm like why are you doing this i mean yeah. equal i mean why can't everybody play right handed right handed he was like dude it took us a few months to get the girls included two girls out of the 11 players included okay and uh, you know uh, we are slowly but surely changing the game i mean you can come and talk to us three months down the line then you know we'll just be left doesn't matter we'll will get the baby steps and i agree with you mentoring both men and women is important or whatever educating motivating equalizing them in in some or other way but that in my mind is a good starting point okay uh, women should should be taught you know they should first get a seat at the table before you know changing trying to you know change the rules of the game okay so get them to the seat of the, uh, this one explain them how the current status works in at the same time explain the other nine boys to respect the lady at the table Okay. okay and and there are going to be changes in the game okay the way the game is being played let's all understand that and then start evolving that i think you're talking about a starting step here so thank so you uh, uh, any quick thoughts before i want to give sohini the last word yeah so i think uh, in one of the so it's, i think we should start with small steps in one of my previous organizations one of the observations we had was that you know when you have 10 people around the table it's the men who spoke more and we had to you know gradually mentor the women to also be a lot more expressive because one of the things we found is that they were not very comfortable speaking up in a group not very comfortable asking for what they really want and uh, i think in the long term uh, it is you know essential to encourage greater diversity because sometimes i feel that you know women have a ability to not just think of the immediate present but also the long term long term which is i know and i think many of the problems of our society whether it's climate change etc are because you know we are extremely short term the second point i want to make is that i think organizations have become too fast paced i think uh, so the what is happening and i'm seeing this repeatedly across multiple organizations the time for mentorship is has completely disappeared uh, that the pressure on profits or whatever is you know so high that uh, that people don't have time managers don't have time people are thrown into the jobs at the deep end without you know any support i think organization will also have to see you know systematically how they can uh, mentor uh, and encourage you know greater talent within the the growth of talent within the enterprises so that people can grow up the ranks and that includes women as well as men Yeah, and I no, think Venki, Venki, yeah, there yeah. was when when you mentioned about the society, there is a very interesting comment that I heard in one of the one of the workshops that I attended, which was that if all the leaders of the countries of the world were women instead of men, 
Mm. Instead of all the fights that are going on, in case of difference, you will simply have two countries stop talking to each other. Stop talking to each other. <laughs> I know what you are saying. <laughs> you know, but to be fair, what I noticed with uh, most of the uh, women leader that I have uh, had a chat with, and uh, is typically, and Sohini can uh, uh, shed much more light on that. Is basically women find it a little difficult because at home they are expected to put in a lot of work, and then expected to deliver at home, expected to deliver at work, and that I think is a very unfair. It puts them. you know uh, with a few exceptions i mean those who have really succeeded to get out of that trap and you know break through that uh, trap are the outliers rather than yeah. the exceptions rather than the rule so in anyway, a we'd love to your thoughts on that before we wind up this uh, session yeah absolutely uh, leslie i've been listening to these conversations and all of them make sense uh, the perspectives uh, obviously no changes happen overnight so you know Uh, of this kind of changes like mentoring and all will also not happen overnight and we can't can't see next year also maybe we'll talk similar things you know we will talk about mentoring to be honest this has been happening since decades and but at least now people are talking about mentoring and it is uh, though we say that you know under representation but there are so many women when especially before women's day when you actually you know approach them and they are so much willing to talk and they are talking about mentorship they are talking a lot of positive changes happening in the industry uh, something which is definitely positive uh, yeah there is a work life balance but then covid has changed all that even men were washing uh, cleaning utensils this time and you know they, it has changed I kind do. of the equation so, <laughs> <laughs> something something was the dishwasher but, yes but yes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we cannot be that rigid you know now everyone has stepped into the game they are all helping each other out i just hope you know next year and it should not be like you know it's like safer internet day and other days we say that every day is safer internet day every yeah. day is uh, something uh, you know the privacy day so that way every day should be women's day or any other day you know like uh, we should uh, it's not like after 8 march we forget you know the entire gender uh, diversity discourse and then talk other things and then only you know from 6 to 7th and 8th march we talk to these things so i think uh, it should be an ongoing issue and uh, whatever development in the i know subu hates the term post pandemic era etc but yeah now going forward we should see you know how things shape up and uh, how uh, women take up these kind of challenges and men and they take it forward that's Great. all that's my view nothing more thank you uh, so friends uh, we've had a, a, a very exciting and insightful discussion basically we started with the digital payment space uh, uh, whether there is a need for another <clears throat> uh, uh, regulatory or rather another infrastructure uh, body in the digital payment space when everything is working out so well uh, for the industry uh, then we segregate into the telecom industry just to figure out okay why uh, what is happening in the telecom industry with the since the auction uh, uh, auctions were just over the spectrum auctions and uh, yes uh, most of the telecom companies are reeling under debt but whether that's going to have an impact on our phone bills whether it's going to have an impact uh, for the better on our quality of service or not is something that uh, we need to see and of course uh, last but not the least we discussed the most important topic according to me uh, 
what we, we feel is that uh, uh, women, we, we require more women in uh, uh, technology. Uh, and this whole assumption that uh, women don't, do not understand technology. In fact, actually, Sohini is also writing, I think she has written a book, right? Uh, yeah, I have written on, a book on uh, the history of computing and technology, which is uh, which should be out sometime so soon. It, yeah, so, so viewers, share my thoughts on that later. Please, uh, Please remember, this is a book written by a woman with a different kind of perspective. So it's uh, you should uh, read the uh, book. Uh, so, so women do understand computing. Women, women do understand technology, and all the men on this panel will clearly understand uh, that. And I just it. have a last question for Giant and Venki. Uh, the way things are going, are we now going to see, you know, government of Google taking on the Federal Republic of Reliance anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> really? You want a one-line answer for a trillion-dollar question? It's not even billion; it's a trillion-dollar question. Trillion-dollar question. Uh, it's a trillion-dollar question. I agree with you. It's a trillion-dollar. <laughs> so let, let, let's leave it as so a rhetorical question. Answer. I, okay. I think you know. I think the governments around the world will have to start looking at building public digital infrastructure as a counterweight to the to the you know big tech. Uh, the best case is that you know the citizen benefit by having the government as a countervailing force. The worst case scenario is that both the big tech as well as the government oppress the citizen. So I think it's a very we are in a very tricky situation at this point in time. Absolutely. I don't have any sympathy for the big tech. I don't have any let sympathy me, for the government. Let me give one. Yeah, sorry. Go on, Venki. No, so I think it's a very very tricky situation. We are at a very kind of a you know defining moment in history. Let me give you an analogous answer, geopolitical analogous answer. It's, it's the US-China relationship, right? I mean, it's a love-hate relationship. You know, uh, China needs US as a market, US needs China as a supplier. Okay, but you know, at different levels, they are fighting. It's going to be the same thing again. At, did you, at did you just call, of... did, you, did you just call Google Chinese? Totally unacceptable. <laughs> so, uh, viewers, I know we could speak about these topics till the cows come home as usual. And uh, thank you very much for your patience uh, uh, and being with us. Uh, Jayant, uh, Venki, uh, Soeni, thank you again for your time. Uh, thank you for being uh, lovely. Thanks, thanks Venki. Thanks, Jayant. Thanks, Soeni. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks, Subhu. Pleasure thank always. Thank you. Please subscribe to the channel. Channel if you like it, and uh, look forward to having all of you guys uh, next weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs>